Shut up and sit down. Man, oh 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 yeah, here we are, we did it. We have come upon that beautiful time of the year, the end of the year, where me and one Matt talk about game of the year, games of the year, top five, top six, top seven, top eight. It never goes the way it's supposed to, and everybody cheats to some degree every single year. It's the way it is. I feel like that's not true because I think it went correctly last year. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us cheated. We we talked about our honorable mentions. I gave you crap for talking about too many, but it went fine. It was normal. Maybe it won't this year, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I don't you know, know, I just wonder. I wonder about this reconditioned past because I always remember Matt always being the one with these seventy-two indies. He can't decide what are. What are the ones he wants to have and whatever? And I'm, I seem to be the one always blamed for having too many in the in the list. No, uh, no. Wait, he, well, okay. Here's the thing. I had many things in the list, but I went. That was great. That was great. That was the great. That was cool. But you, you had like three, and you went World of Warcraft. All right. I logged in one day and I put in my email and then I put in my password <laughs> and then I clicked start and then my brother came by and he said, "So uh, that's." Uh-huh. And yes, I have cheated many times in the past and had double packs and triple packs and all that stuff. But hey, we're not going to get out of the intro without last year. You remember? I had a fancy tie-on. And I was like, man, should I put a fancy tie-on? Should that be the game of the year gimmick? No, we're going to change it up this year. Uh-oh. Now, put a hat on. I got old camouflage truck hat magoo. Here we go. That's me. That's my gimmick. Put a hat on. Put something on your head, have, Eric. You got to grab something. I, put I don't have your head. something to put on my head this year, man. I don't have anything. Grab that door knocker thing and slide it underneath your, underneath your headphones. Right there. Right a, behind you to the right. Oh, I man. see what it is. Oh, door knocker Getting thing not, to my right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, hey, that door thing. Recording yeah, progression. That. Put it right under underneath there. Look at that. There we go. What's going on? Oh, right there. We all that's, not, that's not a hat. It says oh, put oh. it under your head, oh. baby. Okay. There you go. You got a hat. You got a hat. Perfect. We got it. Men with hats. We, met we did it. it. We that's met the gimmick. It. Something's calling my bald head up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ridiculousness. Hey, it's episode 278. This is the Game of the Year episode where we just go on and on about the games that we love this year, that we appreciated this year, and give you a nice little rundown list of what we thought was the best you could have this particular year. Of course, Matt's cackling, laughing. He's going crazy. A man's saying weird things. A man's wearing a funny hat. We can't We can't do it. It's too much. I can't even look at you now. It's too ridiculous. I forgot that Eric doesn't have hats in this house. I figured there'd be a hat right by, and you just pop it on. No, no the, the closest hat is my old uh, cami hat up there. So I could get it, but I'd have to leave the chair for a second and go get it. <laughs> That's the best I can do for you if we're going to do the hat. That was worth it, though. It was worth it. Yes, it was good. It was good. Very good. So, of course, we're going to skip all the shenanigans. We're not going to tell you how our week was. We're not going to do that. You don't, you'll hear all about it next year, but no, maybe you won't because next year is the next year resolutions. How do we do? What are we doing this year? All that good stuff. I, I hate that episode. I just, I hate that episode. <laughs> I don't want to do it, but we're going to do it because we always do it. It's a horrible episode, but it's a great episode. And then what's great about it is since we did this and we're going to do that, then the next actual episode will be 
60 minutes of us talking about all the stuff we did on the weeks. <laughs> all the weeks. Because we, we, haven't had, we haven't even talked about how Christmas went. No. So we got Christmas. We got what you did this week, what you did next week, what you did the week after that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, by the, to- by the way, the topic is I like video games. Okay, bye. That's going to that's gonna be how that one goes. It's, I like it's it. It's classic. I can dig it. I'm down with it. I don't care. It's a good time, a great time for me and for you. So who cares? Guess what? We're also not doing video game releases. So those aren't happening this week because we got too much. You know, we're not going to drag this show on for five hours. It's not going to happen. So we're not doing the video game releases. There have been some video game releases, but you can go check them out for yourself this time around because we're just going to have a good old time with the games we enjoyed this year. So put your little strap on, do what you got to do with the friends and folks you're with. I don't know. And enjoy the show. How about that? So we're going to start off with honorable mentions, and I'm going to say, pa-boom! Here comes a new challenger! Because we got a list of honorable mentions from buddy Steve Cadwallader, our oldest and best buddy from throughout the land. He says on the Patreon, so check out the Patreon if you want to know more about this, he says his honorable mentions are The Gunk, a great alien world exploration game similar to Journey to the Savage Planet. I thought it was really well done, and this just barely missed the top five, which you wanted to play, The Gunk, so... Check that out, even according to Steve. Steve Cadwaller, just letting you know, I'm about halfway through the gunk right now. I was hoping to finish it before the year's out. Nice. Uh, not hoping. I will. I'll finish it before the year's out. And we'll talk about it more, as Matt just earlier said, way, way in the future when we can talk about normal things again. So don't you worry. I'm on board. And then next on his list is Outriders, a fun looter shooter, but it didn't bring anything particularly new to the table. I agree with you on that one, Steve. It was fun. We played it. It was fun until it wasn't fun, and then it was kind of fun again. So, decent, decent game. Next up on his list is Drake Hollow, a good survival game that reminded me a lot of Fortnite, Save the World, not Battle Royale. The enemy waves that kept bringing you back home every 10 minutes made it a chore to explore, though. That's a new one for me. I haven't heard of Drake Hollow before. Never heard of Drake Hollow, never played it. Sorry. Sounds cool. Next up is Deer Simulator. He put an extra E in there, so I put an extra E in there. A few hours of ridiculous fun. I've seen some people play some Deer Simulator, and that's... One of those wonky, ra- ridiculous games. So good on there. And then one that I, I I could comment on profusely, and I'm going to go for about 40 minutes on this one, Dicey Dungeons. He says, I don't play card dice games, but I found myself doing this one a few times when I just want something easy to do. Dicey Dungeons is an awesome game, and I love it. And every time I boot up Steam, it's like the first game on my list, and I go, man, I need to start playing Dicey Dungeons again because that's a ton of fun. But sometimes it can be super-duper hard but I still really love it. It's great. Well, thank you, Steve. Very much appreciated. That's a good list. I know a couple of those games, especially, like I said, the gunk. But God bless. I got I got a million games, man. I got I got about 4,000 honorable mentions. Uh-huh. I got about 4,000, Matt, for you. What do you think of that? Are you excited? Start chewing through them. We're oh, doing speed no. round. Jones. No, we'll actually, what we're going to do, Matt, what we'll do is is the idea I, you know, I was telling you about. List Real fast, just what we played this year. So the audience knows what the hell we even played. And obviously, like you said, and me, for me too, there's a couple games that aren't on here. I can't remember every game I played this year. If I'd have thought we were going to do this, I would have probably written them down. But there's some PC things that are just lost because I had to erase them and delete everything to make space on my computer. But just real fast, this year... I played Final Fantasy Intergrade with the DLC all obviously included, Ghost of Tsushima, Iki Island, DLC, The Medium, Resident Evil 8, A Short Hike, Scarlet Nexus, It Takes Two, Outriders, Tales of Arise, Persona 5 Strikers, Battlefield 2042, Maquette, Chris Tales, Near Automata, Near Replicant, Diablo 2 Resurrected, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, 
Bloodstained, and then of course I played other games that I haven't beat, like Spider-Man, uh, Back for Blood, Tribe of Midgar, Halo Infinite, and there are some others too, but in general, there you go, you got a sense of what I've played this year. So I wanted to get that out of the way so you all know where I'm judging from and, and how I'm judging. So you can't be like, why the hell didn't you include Far Cry 6? Because I've only played a couple hours of it, you know, so I can't put it in my list. Okay, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. I'm doing it up go, the Xbox man, list. Uh, Double Dragon Neon, Katana Zero, Cyber Shadow, Wilmot's Warehouse, Cyberpunk 2077, Streets of Rage 4, Quantum Break, New Super Lucky's Tale, Rain on Your Parade, Mass Effect Andromeda, Monster Train, Watch Dogs Legion, Slay the Spire, Iconfell, Wasteland 3, The Outer Worlds, Narita Boy, Black Desert Greedfall, Sea of Thieves, we played a little bit, 12 minutes, Curse of the Dead Gods, Death Store, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Scarlet Nexus, Star, Renegades, Unruly Heroes, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Definitive Edition, Halo Infinite, The Artful Escape, oh man, I got even more stuff right here, what do we got, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Conflict of Interest, uh, Lost Judgment, Resident Evil 8, Deathloop, Returnal, Outriders, It Takes Two, a million games, a million billion games. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, I played that every single day. A side note, Matt didn't beat all those games, but he did play them. So it's a side note, because there was a few of those I heard that, you know, I was like, hey, Matt didn't finish that one, what a minute. Oh, it was just games we finished? Cause no, 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 like I said, that. most of mine were ones I finished, but I just gave that side note, like Spider-Man, Back for Blood, Tribes Miguel, Halo, I, I haven't finished those yet, so I, I just wanted to not confuse everybody, because I didn't put those in as what can be chosen from from my games of the year since i never beat them so i don't feel like i can put them in there i will say most of the xbox ones were beaten Mm -hmm. or at least got a big chunk of stuff played in them like black desert was an mmo i can't beat that yeah you know greedfall is enormous and i had to stop playing it because it was enormous same with wasteland but most of the xbox games were my game pass titles so i could do one a month so out of the 12 of those they're they're all mostly beaten or a ton of fantastic so there you go folks you've got all the games that me and matt have played and beaten and or you know at least got some time in on now you know where we're judging from and so of course without further ado we'll get the honorable mentions done and out of the way now matt i have three honorable mentions before i get to my top five at number eight folks number eight and I, I had to put these on here. These are these are games I could not let go. I could not. Absolutely let them just not be talked about at all. And the first one, of course, is Persona 5 Strikers. That's sitting at number eight, everybody. This one is lower than I was hoping it would be. It's lower than I wish it would have been. But here's the deal. You've heard me talk about it a million times. Persona 5 one of the best games, probably the best game of all time ever in the world. Fantastic. I love the characters, love the story, love everything about it. Persona 5 Strikers was set up to be a sequel. It takes place this summer, you know, after everything takes place in the actual story. They get together, they go have a great time. They go all over the place. Let me tell you, they go to uh, they go to Sendai, they go to Sapporo, they go to Kyoto, Okinawa. They go all over the flipping place. You get to see all sorts of new locales, new things. The problem with this game was, early on, it was a struggle. You would get through the levels, and then the boss would be completely different and way harder than anything you'd faced up to that point. So you'd have to go grind to compensate and or just get really good at the weird battling that you know they had going for you. It was it was a mix between an RPG and then um, the games you like, Matt. The uh, the whole crazy, you know, 
million bad guys, lots of crazy slashing and flying all over the place, whatever those things are called. I'm not helping you out. I, I was gonna, and then I was like, "No, nah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good bit for the show." I'm just gonna that's fine. That's fine. But either way, <laughs> those are the types of games it's kind of melded with, and I wasn't on board at first. It was kind of irritating, kind of annoying me, as we talked about way back in the year. Kind of fell off. You know, it kind of drifted into the background. Didn't want to play it anymore, but knew I had to because I gotta know what happens to my friends. I have to. So I came back to it much later in the year. And gave it the real oorah, you know, gave it the full try. All of a sudden, I was invested. All of a sudden, I was playing it, having a good time. Couldn't wait to play it some more, play it some more, play it some more. Yes, I had some issues. Sometimes it was annoying. But overall, this game, fantastic. The character interactions, such a great time, just like it was in in Persona Royal. It wasn't as deep. You know, you weren't getting them cool, uh, you know, them one-on-one moments all the time and, and able to kind of customize which direction you wanted to go with what characters. It was all very story-based. You weren't getting anything special. You were going to get a very structured story out of this. But it was still great to see and hear from your friends. And they were all, you know, all the actors, all the voice actors all returned. So it wasn't like some weird, cheap, you know, knockoff title here. And the story they told and the new characters they introduced were awesome. You know, I really loved them. I wish they'd make another one with these characters with the new ones added. And, of course, Sophia. Not Sophia. See, I do it all the time. God, get it confused. But all of them back together. Just all of them in one big title that kind of just does like a, a threefer and finish the whole series off. I wish they'd do it. They probably won't. I don't expect them to. But uh, definitely Persona 5 Strikers deserves a little recognition. Well, man, if we're going to talk about stuff that deserves some recognition... I'm going to go with a game that deserves recognition because I've put like 320 or 330 hours into it this year alone, even though it came out last year. And it was on my Game of the Year awards list last year. I'm talking Animal Crossing New Horizons because I say it all the time when I talk about it. This game is my just my little zen piece. When I get home from work and I'm stressed out, I come in here and I sit down and I play Animal Crossing. How can that be... An honorable mention for this year, people ask. I hear you saying it. Because when it hit March, all the content recycled again. The you know, the yearly events, it's bunny day again, all oh, what's the big change? There's a couple new recipes here and there. But then that new content, what was it, a month ago, two months ago? It changed up your dailies, or at least for me, it changed up that doing the dailies experience so much. Because I used to just run around, get the fossils, get the money tree, talk to each villager. That was it. You know, sell my stuff, do my things. Now, I run around, I get the fossils, I dig up the gyroid, I add that to my collection, or I customize it and add it to my collection. I go around, I hit the money rock, I go around, I get the fossils, I do the money tree, and then I go to the museum. I go to the cafe. I sit down, and Brewster serves me a coffee, and I have a little moment with Brewster, and then sometimes a little guest comes in, or somebody's sitting there at the counter already, and I'm like, oh, cool, having a little coffee next to Gail, having a little coffee next to Lucha. Here we go, take a little snapshot picture, because they're not in there all the time. Hey, Orville came in from the airport to pick up a coffee to go and had a little 30-second scene. Save that to my hard drive, so I remember that. Get out of there, go around, sell some stuff. Then I go to the town square, and I go to the little boombox. And do the stretching routine. And you do your group stretching with everybody who's out there, maybe some special people, like some staff from the shops and stuff, and whichever character is the guest of the island for that day. 
and you do a little stretch routine and it's cute and you and your little fuzzy animals are doing stuff and when you're done everybody puts a smile on their face and I take a screenshot because it's just a fun little thing and then I go off to the west of my island I go over to the dock and I see Cap'n and he goes hey you want to take a tour hell yeah I do and I get in his little boat and he sings me a sea shanty as we're going on our way and there's a little button you can clap along to a sea shanty and I do it every time and I listen to the whole thing every time because it puts a smile on my face. You take off from your island, and it's a cloudy, snowy day. Going around, sea shanty, and then you see those clouds start to part. And then the snow goes away. And then you're on a southern hemisphere island, because he can take you anywhere. He can take you to any old random mystery island. And you go around, and you dig up another gyroid fragment that you take home and bury in water, and now you got a new gyroid in the morning, or you pick up some of the new fruits, some of the new vegetables. You pick up that glowing moss so you can make more glowing moss stuff back on your island. And then you go... Hey, Cap'n, I'm ready to go home. He sings me another sea shanty with a slightly slower tempo, and I clap along to that. And then when he's done, I clap for him and I have a great time. And then I go to the airport after that, and I fly to Harv's Island, where I have the little caravan of all the shops set up, where all the weekly visitors who can randomly show up once each day, now they all have shops. So if I was looking for some art from Red, but he's on the every other week schedule for the main island now he's here now he's got two pieces of art every single week what's kicks got his little bags and shoes stand what's he got i got this weird thing i'm gonna go see if cyrus can customize it it's so good and so fun and it makes that daily go by so much longer but it's so much more involved than just run around i did my things now it's run here run there do that up here down there over there cool i did it and that's not even getting into the dlc there was DLC for this game. I bought it. I'm having so much fun doing the normal stuff. I haven't even started that. So that's an honorable mention for this year. Because Animal Crossing New Horizons is still so good. And with the new content drop, it's just a ton of fun. It's still fun. It's, it can't be on the official list because it came out last year. But it's an honorable mention for 330 hours worth of fun. Man, I, I'm, just, I'm in a, kind of in shock. I mean, this is the game you've talked about more than any game you've ever played in your life probably. And it's only an honorable mention. It's like, bam, wow, I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be a top five for sure. What a shocker, man. It, it can't be. It's disqualified. Well, it'd be like if you put World of Warcraft on every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go in and you do That's your dailies. True. That's true. You know. Can't put it on every year. I agree with that. All right, all right. Well, <clears throat> for kicking back to me, then we're going to get to number seven, everybody. And it gets harder and harder, okay? Near Replicant. And I'm not going to do the version. You know, one point, whatever, two, two, something or rather. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Knew you guys know what I'm talking about. Near Replicant, the brand new one that got re-released over here in the States where you get to actually play as the uh, the younger version, not the, uh, the daddy version. This is another one, okay? I wanted this one to be just amazing and, and blow away. And it was. And it was. But only for two rounds, okay? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, in Near, well, Near Automata and Near Replicant, you go through many versions of the game to get to the actual real endings of said game. And every time you go through, it's slightly different, you know, maybe a different character's perspective, maybe just some different events taking place, etc. But this one, I I don't know. It didn't quite do it for me. I got through two versions, and I was loving it. I thought this was great. And then it was like, nah, I'll do it again. And it was the same exact game again. And I couldn't do it. And it really broke my heart. Because I wanted to go ahead. The music in this game is phenomenal. The world is phenomenal. I mean, freaking Grimoire Vice, Nier, Yona, Kaine, and Email. I love them. 
I love those characters, especially Kaine. Just cracks me up constantly. Her and her and Vice just going at each other constantly, arguing and calling each other names and stuff. I have nothing but great memories of all of them. And the music and the different zones and just the heartbreak the heartbreak and the sadness of these events taking place in the Irreplicant. Out of this world. Just fantastic. The different weapons. I could go on and on. But let me just say, I wanted it to be higher. Unfortunately, it just couldn't hold it just didn't hold up the way I'd hoped it was gonna. It didn't keep on pushing. It pushed real hard and then it just died out. It was much the opposite of Persona 5 Strikers, where it started weak and got strong. This one was strong and got weak. So there it sits. Number seven. I do want to give it a shout out. I do recommend that people play it. But like me, maybe you won't get through the real ending, but at least you'll get through a, a playthrough or two and have a good time. So I don't have mine numbered like you did. Mm-hmm. Like I said to you before, I have 17 games that could make it in, so I'm going to double pack up a couple of these. Two games that are so fun that I had to stop playing them. Like I had, to, I told myself, you can't do this anymore, otherwise you're just going to play these all the time. First up is Slay the Spire, the deck-building card game where it's a roguelike as you're going through and you have different encounters on a map, and there's like three different maps with bosses at the end, and then the heart of the spire at the end of that. What do I like most in this world is pulling strings and comboing things together and synergizing things and making this weird, especially with cards. I don't know what it is with cards that if I make this weird engine where I play this and then I can play that and play this and it makes me draw two more and then I play those two, but those generate this other thing that now I can hit you with and I'd use this card to do that. That's what that whole game was for me. No matter which character it was, I loved building those decks and just each run it could be different or it could not be different. Maybe this run I wanted to go poison with the rogue because poison worked so well last time, but I didn't get any poison cards at the part where you could acquire new cards. Okay, I'm just going flat damage. So it was every run was completely different. You went in with a plan, your plan got broken or it went swimmingly every single time and it had daily challenges, which were always fun. I could just play this forever. When James mentioned it when we were board gaming with him, he's like, I'm getting into Slay the Spire. And I went, I can't. I can't, I can't even think about it. I had to shut it down. And I told him I had to, I had to, I had to do delete it. Otherwise, I would just play it every day. And another game that's just like that, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I could fly around this beautiful world all the time. Take off from this airport, go to that airport. Do I care about the mechanics of flying big planes and the giant selection of planes? No. But when you get up in the air and you're looking down, especially at places you've been or flying above our town and finding the little landmarks that we know. It's just so much fun. And then you go places we'll never see in our lifetimes. Fly over the Great Wall of China. Fly out, fly over the top of Mount Fuji and just look down and, and find all these weird things. You had no idea anything around the base of Mount Fuji I talked about on one of the shows, finding the golf courses and the things, the racetrack around there. No idea any of that stuff was there. And then, it's like I said, from however many thousand feet up in the air, everything's beautiful. Everything's great. There's no crappy drivers. There's no ugly people. There's no people being mean to you. There's no work. You're just flying and looking down and like, man, that's our world. And it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. I could fly around in that game forever. It's an honorable mention because I spent so much time with both of those games. Whew, who doggies. And now here's where I'll take... One second to just briefly explain once more. My last honorable mention, number six, it was on the top five. But because I had to do some shifting and and inner soul searching and looking, it ended up at six. 
And just so you're reminded, in case you don't know, I base my games off what keeps what keeps me wanting to play. Not how the story is, not how the combat is, not how the art, the graphics, the music, nothing. The games for me that hit the soul, hit the mark, are when I come home and I go, I need to get downstairs and play a game. Because as you know, if you listen to this show, there's tons of times where I go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I should do this, or I guess I should play that. But, you know, I think watching this show and doing nothing is probably more fun than playing that game right now. When these games hit me, and I'm just begging and hoping to get downstairs, that's what makes the list. So, with that being said, understanding that, we go to my number six, Resident Evil Village. That just didn't quite make it. What a game. This is a game, mind you, too, that had me wanting to play it all the way through, except for probably one brief section where I was kind of disinterested. But the baddies in this, you start off so strong in this game, it's ridiculous. Lady Demistru, Lady D, that's what I'm calling her, <laughs> and her daughters in the castle, phenomenal. I mean, just tier 10, so much fun, so cool, so spooky, so, you know, just the environment, everything about it was great. Just fantastic. And then it just launched into a second area that was fantastic. The baddie there, the doll, etc., and everything else going on. I won't spoil it because Matt swears he's going to actually play this again someday. So I won't go into detail. But I'll just tell you, the the area after that second one, kind of meh. Nah, you know, it kind of started threw me off a little bit. Did one of those things where it started to shake me. You know, I was like, ah, do I really want to go? And then it got me right back on board. And I finished that game, having a good time. What a wild, wonky story it was. Just over the tops. Chris, you know, he makes an appearance. I won't say how or when or what goes on with it. But there he is. There's other references to some other stuff, like with Resident Evil 7 going on. Obviously, it's Ethan, so no duh. But you you learn more about what the hell's going on and why things are happening the way they're happening. It all starts to make sense. Lady Miranda starts to get in there. It's, It's really cool. It's over the top. It's Resident Evil. I enjoyed it. I recommend it to everybody, but it didn't quite make my top five, Matt. And it does kind of hurt my my feelings because I, I felt pretty solid that it was going to be in my top five for most of the year. I'm going to mirror you with a game. I'm going to give you a three-pack here, and I'm going to go through them real quick. But building directly off of that, I had this game in my top five guaranteed just because of how good the gameplay is. It's a co-op game. It's the co-op game. It is the only pure co-op game that you and I have played and it's it takes two it was gonna be on the list so I could give it more props about how I've never seen a co-op game that is so co-op you can't do anything without another person and it's you, a bot can't even do it you there's no option for a bot it has to be two humans playing and communicating well with each other to make the disparate powers happen because this person can manipulate a nail and this person can hammer it in I mean it's that's basically one of the first ones, and it's as basic as that. Like, you can't hammer things without the nail there. The nail can't get into anything without the hammer to hit it. The way it iterates off of that, every single new area we went to, I couldn't wait to see what the powers were going to be. Oh, I can be big and you can be small. What crazy puzzles are they going to come up with for us to do this stuff in? And they were always phenomenal. People can rag on the story and whatever, but the pure gameplay, the pure co-op gameplay of that... It can't be beat, but there are so many other good games on my list that it just, it's just outside. And it makes me so sad. 
another game that's just outside that makes me so sad, Yakuza Like a Dragon. I did not like that game when we first started. When I first started playing it last year, the story was just, I didn't like it. But something made me start playing it this year, picking up from where I left off, and I really got into that job system and maxing out every single character and getting their best weapons. And this is going to be a theme for later in the show too, going into the crafting system and crafting stuff, finding all the materials to craft the best things, running back and forth between the crafting area and the materials shop. I never do that. I hate doing that. I did it with pleasure in this game. And then the ending was the most emotional and phenomenal ending I've seen in a long time in the Yakuza series. And sometimes those endings are great. Sometimes they are manly tears with a shirt off in the rain on the roof endings. But this one, I felt it like in my heart. I felt that character feeling that pain. Oh, but it's just off the list. And also just off the list, I wanted to give this one props. And I, this is the game I was going to cheat with. Because it's Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Conflict of Interest. for the fan-made Ace Attorney game that I played on my computer this year. And it is a love letter and a phenomenal, like, continuation of the 2D Phoenix Wright games. Where it's, you know, it's the pure sprites. It's the old school Game Boy Advance or DS sprites. Every single case is completely epic. And it takes some of those characters that you knew and evolves them in crazy ways or does really dramatic things with them. And I was going to pair this up with another game and say, if you love those old 2D Ace Attorney games, this is the best you're going to get because they're never going to go back to that ever again. And I was going to pair it up with something else, but that's something else. It rocket shifted up to the moon into the proper top five, leaving this one at 6.1, 6.2, however you want to break it up with my, my multi-packs with of honorable mentions here. Yes, I got you. <laughs> but it's in, it's in the, it's just outside, just like all these other two. They're ju- just outside. Bam, oh, bam, oh. All right, everybody. Who y'all? Here it is. We got there. The honorable mentions are over. The ones we've just sweated over, thought should be there, but couldn't just justify it. Now we're into the true five. And, and also the shift to monthly topic. We talk more about other honorable mentions that are just so good that they couldn't even make it onto this couldn't list. Couldn't on this list, but still deserve recognition. Yes. It was a great year, folks. All right. Yeah. Don't let the naysayers or the crazies tell you any different. This year had all sorts of good games and you're just, you're dumb in your eyeballs if you didn't see it. All right. Just saying. Not dumb in your brain. Just dumb in your eyeballs. All right. That's not too bad, right? I shouldn't say this. It's like when you're at the beach and you got your sunglasses on and you're not supposed to look at something that goes walking by, mm-hmm. but your eyeballs go, hey, and you go, oops, Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Some of these people might have looked away from some of these phenomenal games. And they, went, and they shouldn't have. It's not their fault. It was just a reflex, but mm-hmm. that game was still there. It's still, it was still it, good. It, it still, still deserves looking. your eyeball looking. That's right. Gosh, bless. So I guess I'll be the one to jump and start it, get going. Number five, everybody. Number five. And this one, man, oh, man, I had to really think hard. Cyberpunk 2077 at my number five this year. I got it on the list. I looked back and I was just really digging through all my trophies, all the things. I was going on to Steam. I was going on to Epic. I was trying to find the games I've played, what trophies I've gotten. And there it was. Cyberpunk 27, January 10th, I beat it. I went, son of a bitch. I didn't beat you till January. And then I go, I had these vague memories, and I went, let me confirm. Matt, did we talk about Cyberpunk last year? Did we actually put it in last year's bracket, or did we say we were going to pawn it off on next year's? No, dude. We said we are going to pawn it off. And I went, son of a gun. 
And then I went, well, that that changed everything. Now I've got to take this game and stack it up against everything else I've played and see where it comes out at. And you all know that I love this game. You all know, if you listen, that I went in there in the streets of Night City and I just put on my crazy old Japanese techno craziness, you know, baby rock or whatever the hell that stuff was called. And I was slicing and I was dicing and I was having a great time. I couldn't stop talking about getting robbed and cheated by those Haitians and doing all sorts of craziness. Even now, I want to go back and play. Like instantly, I'm like, oh, I got to go back and play this. So you would think it's going to be higher. You would go, Eric, you did nothing but gush about this game and then even say negative Nancy things about people who were ragging on this game. What are you talking about? You were trying to defend this all to heaven. And it's only number five? What? Are you kidding me? Here's why. All right? I've gushed about this game a million times to you. I'm not going to go crazy. but I'm going to tell you why I got number five. I thought back real hard. And I went, man, I did have a great time with that game. But you know what? I broke that game. I got a build with a sword and everything else that I'd done. That, as I even said on the show, second to the last boss came around and jumped down to stop me or interfere, you know, with my plan. I sliced him and killed him in one hit. I thought he was a regular dude. I thought he was a regular dude. There was no story. There was no boss fight. There was nothing. I went slash. He died. I kept running. And then it happened again when I knew it was supposed to be a boss fight with the last boss. He came in the room. He went, I'm so bad at the world. I'm a last boss. And I went, slash, and he died. And then it like did like this weird stutter step because there was supposed to be story and dialogue in between. But I just slashed him, and he died. And I went, that's not good. Yes, it was fun. Yes, it was goofy. But I like when a game gives me something to work with. Like, I built something. Like, if I have a build that I came up with and I spent a lot of hours, you know, upgrading and going on about, I want a fight or a challenge that's going to let me utilize my skills and utilize all those abilities to actually win. And yes, you'll say, well, you did, Eric. You, you sliced him in once and he died. But I don't know. I feel like they didn't balance it quite right with some of the stuff because the game was so much fun. was so dang easy. I didn't have a single problem. You know why that is, Eric. You know why it is. It's because you went and did too much stuff. Yeah, you, didn't, I, I did. you didn't just go through because you, you, no, you took the story to a certain point and then uh-huh. you went, hey, look, the world's opening up. I'm going to do every, every single thing around Every single here. thing in the zone, period. I did everything you could possibly do in every single zone. Because I did that exact same thing. Uh-huh. And I got a build completely different from your build where I had no worries whatsoever about anything. Uh-huh. Any mission I went in, as soon as I saw a person, bzz, he's on the floor. Bzz, he's on the floor. Oh, the alarm came on and 40 dudes are coming at me. Bzz, 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 bzz. Okay, rifle, pow, 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 pow. Everybody's dead. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can touch me. So I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I totally understand it. But I still feel like I wish at least something would have given me a challenge. There had been at least some fight in there that was like, all right, we get you. You want to be crazy? You want to be super powerful? Well, here you go. Try this on for size. And then, boom, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, all right, all right, cool. And I'm actually having to dodge around. I actually have to use some of my side abilities and just do it. But it, it never happened. But what made up for it was just everything else. That game, Night City, what a place to live in. I still think about that poor AI inside of that dang vending machine that I talked to every day for weeks and weeks and weeks, and just what happened. 
just, it isn't fair. You know, life isn't fair, and I feel bad, and I want that AI to come back to me someday. So this game, there's no way it couldn't be on the list. Should it be higher? Could it be higher? Yeah, depending on what you value. But for now, it's five for me. Now, you want to talk about a game that you can live in. Number five for me is that exact same kind of game. Because I started this game, I didn't even like this game. And then I started playing it, and I started building my character one way. And then I went, oh, but look at this other ability I can get. And I started building my character this way. And then I turned and I snaked my way through this game. This game at number five is Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, For me also. For all the reasons that you said. But in a completely different way, because I went totally non-lethal. I went hacking everybody with my brain as soon as I see them around the corner, shutting them down non-lethally. And I've told this story a million times. There was that mission you go on for Pan Am. You go and you kill Nash, and you get Nash's rifle. Mm -hmm. And I got that rifle. And before that, I was playing with submachine guns and shotguns. I went through like a sneaky pistol build for a while. I put the rocket launcher in my arm because I was like, screw it. I'm just going to blow everything up. And then I found Nash's rifle. And I went, this is pretty cool. And then I started developing my hacking brain. And I went, that's cool too. But Nash's rifle, its damage is lagging behind. What can I do about that? Oh, I can go into the crafting system. I can start doing upgrades. So again, I hate crafting systems. I never do them in any game. I did them here. I put points into crafting. I put points into upgrades. Every single gun I got, I disassembled. And I used all those points to upgrade Nash's rifle. Because it's not his rifle anymore. It's V's rifle. It's my rifle. I put on the non-lethal mod, so now I'm doing everything non-lethally. All the hacks, all the shoots. I became so many characters. I played so many different roles in that game until I found what V is supposed to be. V uses Nash's rifle. V drives Cheetah's car. I've said it a million times. I got that car from Cheetah from that one mission where you have to drive him away from the hotel. And I got back in that car, and I rolled out just whatever other damn mission. And then like three hours later, I came back to where that mission started to get another mission from whoever I got it from. And Cheetah's car was sitting there. And I went, that's my car. I didn't think that's Cheetah's car. I went, that's my car. And I went, hell yes. And I got off the motorcycle or whatever cool thing I was driving. And I got in my car. And I drove my car from mission to mission all throughout the city. And when I left my car somewhere to do a big, long mission where you had to ride a train or swim in a boat or whatever, I came back and I found my car. And then I drove that to my girlfriend Judy's house. And when my car was about to explode, I left it there because I know she'll take care of it. And every time I go back there, my car is there. It's such a world you can live in. You build your own story with your own character, especially doing all the side missions, doing all the crazy things, building out your character the way you want, finding all the different endings, because I went and hit like all the different endings I could Uh get until I found the one that I liked the best, and that's my official ending. And just like you said, I think about this game all the time. Every time I see it on my console, I go, there's still side missions I need to do. I need to go back in there. Or anytime I see it, like at the Game Awards, you see some quick shots of it. And my heart starts beating a little faster. And then I see a scene with the other V, you know, because it's not my V, it's some other V, riding in a car with Judy. And I see her and it's like when you see your ex-girlfriend at the grocery store and your heart like skips a beat, that's this game. I lived a life in this game. It can't not be on the list. I understand people don't like it, technical issues, all that stuff. You can't deny my experience either, though. And that's the experience I had in that game. We both lived a life in this game. Two completely divergent lives. Oh, yeah. And we, and we both had wild, crazy experiences that are just phenomenal. 
Uh-huh. The false prophet, you know, the grenade clown. I mean, God bless uh, me and my old boy in good times with his family and up on the water tower there. I was going to say, what's his name? The, the Jeffersons, whatever. I think about them all the time, too. <laughs> I want to get back in there and get a call from one of them. Like, what did you do? I remember. Get it cut off again. Even just that much. 15 seconds of content. If I got in there and got another call from one of them, I would just be in heaven again. Uh-huh. And of course... Before we move on, I just want to say, I, I hope they get that DLC out. I hope that they they keep with those promises because I cannot wait to hear, hey, DLC's coming this date. Get ready to get back in there. I'll have the PS5, of course, now with all the fictions, all the goodies. I will be there day one for sure. So Cyberpunk, dang it, you're going to be amazing. I can't wait to see you again fairly well. And with that, it's number four time, Matt. Dun, 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 dun. Whew. Tales of Arise, everybody. That is Eric's number four for this year. Now, it's Bandai Namco's game. I've been a fan of Tales games for a long time. Uh, the latest ones have been hit and miss for me. Not really 100% on board with all of them, but I've at least tried all of them. Now, this one, they said, hey... We're for sure going to get next gen. We're for sure going to do our, you know, a part to kind of change how everything works, where this game's going. And I was like, I'm sold. And I'm going to give this one a go for sure. It looked gorgeous. The music seemed fun. Characters seemed interesting and unique. Got in there. Boy, oh boy. What an RPG. Just oh, amazing looking. Every environment you go to was just a surprise, a spectacle, different in all of its own ways. The story, of course, yeah, you know, it's, you've heard it before, but it's still fun and indifferent in its own ways. Danon's over here, you know, they thought everything was great, and the Renan world was like where the gods lived. Renans actually came down, and then they killed and enslaved all the Danons. They were like, oh, they weren't gods. They, they was just, this is bad for us. Tons of time goes by. Games are being played now. The Renans have like this new leadership thing where each zone or area is ruled by a different Renan, and then. They control like an element. It's just, it's all crazy. But anyways, what it does is set the stage for these different environments and these different baddies. And you, Alfin, come in and you got to save the day. Something's different. You're wearing a mask. You don't know where the hell you came from. You just know you're a Dan and slave and you want to be free and you want to help those that are enslaved with you. So off you go on your adventure. You meet Shion, who's a Renan. You know, she's fighting the Renans. She's on the run. You want to know what the hell's going on. On and on and on. You meet Rinwell, Law, Dorleem. I mean, tons of really cool, fun characters. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. What really caught me, too, was that every RPG, there's typically the main relationship. You get to, you know, have a relationship with... Sometimes you get to pick which female or male or whatever, you know, it is you want and have a relationship with them. Or it's a very general story where you just have a relationship with one character and that's it. This game was pretty cool because it was kind of building relationships all around you. You were building relationships with uh, surprise everybody. My old spoiler, Shion, and but Law was having you know some things going on with another character. Kisara was having some stuff going on with the character, and I just found that unique. I don't see that in a lot of RPGs where all the characters are kind of mingling and actually having relationships and, and intimate feelings and or just, you know, feelings of bonding or friendship, etc. to that degree. Usually it's just very much one-on-one. The others are just a bunch of clowns or sideshows for you to 
have a good time with. And that's really what carried me through. All the campfires where the characters would just laugh and joke and interact and you were able to just pick and choose what character to you know talk to that evening and have a, a deeper bond with, which, by the way, the more you talked with them, the better your bonds got. Then you'd max out and you'd get you know these cool lines and these cool little perks with these characters that they'd give you more abilities to do in combat. And don't get me started. Combat. Fast-paced, super cool, super different from what's come before in, 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 to an extent. This time around... You have these assists, so every time you're over here attacking, you'll see these little little lights show up on your characters, and you're able to, like, just boom, use them, boom, offensively. Or you'd be like, all right, well, I know this character, Rinwell, she will interrupt spells. This character will block for you if you're getting a stampeded or something going on. And then you start to think in your head, boom, well, maybe if I hold on to that, wait for this bull thing, which I know is going to do this. A lot of synergy. A lot of really cool strategic, uh, you know, thought process going on there when you're coming up against bosses, which you've heard me probably complain about before. Is this game's tough? You know, you'll get to these bosses and they'll 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 test you. You're not just gonna walk through them. You're not just gonna have a great time. Well, I shouldn't say that. You will have a great time, but you know what I mean. Y'all know what I'm saying when you're taking going against that boss and it is just smoking you, and you're f- being forced to use potions. You're being forced to use stuff which us old school RPGers all know. You're never supposed to use potions or any of that. That's just fun stuff you collect, and that again, end of the game. See if you got like five thousand of them. And go, yeah. If I'd have just used all these mega elixirs, I probably could have just won in an instant. <laughs> this game forces you to use them. The only downside to this game, and I complained about it on the show, was that towards the end of the game, since this game does have uh, some microtransactions where you can purchase gold or gold, whatever you want to call it, I felt that it pushed you a little too much into using a lot of potions and stuff in in an attempt to make you run out so that you'd be enticed to, instead of grinding and just going and farming for more gold, to go buy some so you could just carry on without any issue, because as I said, this game requires you to use elixirs, life potions, etc., so it kind of held the game back a little bit in my eyes because it just felt a little off to me because that's just not the way most games run. But overall, Tales of Arise, double thumbs up, everybody. You got to play it. Man, you want to talk about an RPG that's double thumbs up that everybody's got to play. That's what this next one is to me. And this was higher on the list. This was the one that threw a nuclear blast into my top five list. But now there's been another rocket that just shot. Somebody shot an RPG up and it's just reach just outside and maybe knock this one down. So this is either four or three. I don't know. But what it is, is the Outer Worlds. And what it is, is a phenomenal sci-fi RPG experience. Everybody who didn't like Cyberpunk 2077, you're going to like this because it's a lot of the same themes. Corporations have taken over the star system. They're warring with each other. The people on the ground floor are getting crushed. What's so, I don't know if it's unique about this, is it's so funny. Every single thing in the Outer Worlds is so hilarious. Like every at every point where Cyberpunk 2077 can be dour and like depressing, like, oh yeah, we're getting crushed and look, I'm literally like rotting away because half of my cyborg self isn't working. Here in the Outer Worlds, it's hilarious. Yes, the you know, three operators fell into the canning machines and got chewed up, but the only reason that's bad is because it affected the percentage quality of the nutrients in our cans, so we need to do a better job of QAing what we're shipping out to the customers. It's that horrible corporation just squashing the life out of you, but it's so over the top that it becomes hilarious. It's never dark, it's never dour. And if you watched any of my streams of The Outer Worlds, 
I was laughing all the time, not only because of that and that type of humor in the game, but the writing in this game is so good. All the dialogue options you have as a character are so phenomenal. That just If you want to be a wise-ass, if you want to be smart and slick, there are so many funny options you can pick. And then speaking of the dialogue system, there's three different dialogue skills you can get. And each of those, you can progress your quests, you can resolve your quests or your conversation checks in three different ways. I leveled up all three of them, so I had so many options. If I wanted to be a jerk, I would threaten and pass the dialogue check. If I wanted to be really nice, I could plead and get the dialogue check or whatever it was, persuade. You had so many options in this game, not just for dialogue either, but you know, if you had like heavy weapons or melee skills, you could pass dialogue checks by having melee skills and the dialogue would say, hey, you know, I got this really big club. Do you really think you can take me based on your melee abilities? I never had that, so I could never choose that one. The way that it incorporated all your personal skills into the dialogue and into the ways that you could resolve all the quests. Like you could just, you could just put up all your gun skills and just run through and shoot everything and pass every quest. Or you could be stealthy. You could put up all your stealth and then never have to do combat because you're sneaking around or you're hacking machines or you're doing this or that. Or just like me, you could talk your way through so many conflicts in this game and resolve them in fun or interesting ways. I beat the last boss by talking to her, by talking her down off of the ledge that she was metaphorically on. And I had to use all three of those different skills to do it because this check was a threatened one. This one was a persuade. This one was whatever the other one was. They weren't all in a row. It was past this one. Okay, next up, it's threaten, and then it's like heavy weapon skills. If you have one of those, you can pass it. Otherwise, you got to fight. I had them all. It was such a beautiful moment of just, this is what I'm gearing my character up for, and I didn't have to have the big dumb boss fight at the end. Because I had built my character this certain way, I could resolve the ultimate conflict in the game by just talking my way through it. That's just like the cherry on top of everything else great that this game did. Customizing your characters, customizing your loadout, doing that stuff, getting your favorite companions and running around with them. Nioka, the drunk mercenary, and Ellie, the smart-ass like, pirate doctor lady. I loved those characters. And not only that, but every dialogue you had when you brought your characters with you, they would oftentimes chime in with something, like some remark on what was happening. And it wasn't just, hey, I don't like what we're doing over here, boss. It was, huh, this guy's really a smartass, isn't he? And then that character would turn away from you to talk to them and go, excuse me, lady, what are you talking about? Instead of it just being a, hello, I made a comment, and then nobody acknowledges it, the other characters that you're talking to, it, it becomes more of a conversation because you're there with your party, and they both voice their opinions, and then the character you're talking to responds to both of those, and then you have the dialogue options on top of that to deal with it. Just a phenomenal, hilarious, great, good time of game. I still haven't touched the two DLCs, so maybe it'll come back next year when I finally get around to those, but The Outer Worlds is phenomenal. I wanted this to be higher, but right now I'm starting to lose those specific memories of it, and this other game that's going to be in front of it I literally just got done playing, so you can't beat The Outer Worlds for a sci-fi RPG epic good time. And if you're mad at me for Cyberpunk, The Outer Worlds is in front of it, so just be happy. There you go. You should be happy. You should be happy anyway. It's what me and Matt want, so don't don't be a hater out there. We don't judge you. You have whatever the hell you want. And of course, with that being said, number three is one maybe, you know, I don't know. It maybe doesn't need to be there, but I could not let it be there. 
It's Final Fantasy Integrated Intermission DLC. Okay, yeah, it's not a whole game. It's a DLC. But uh, what did I tell you earlier about my rules? This game, every day I got home. I was downstairs. We're playing it. There was no question. There was no anime that was distracting me. There was no movie distracting me. It was I'm going home and playing some freaking intermission DLC because Final Fantasy Remake, whew, what a game. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, it might have been a game of the year before. Who knows? But this intermission DLC was right there. Just wonderful. Yuffie, all I can tell you, Yuffie comes into this one. She's with her pal, Sonin. They're here, they're Wunan ninjas, and they want to infiltrate Shinra to get a hold of this secret material they've been working on. And it is just wild shenanigans. Yuffie is just as exuberant and crazy and wild as she was back in the old original Final Fantasy VII, even more so. And I got just such a kick out of it. She was so lively, just so awesome in every interaction she had. And then the combat, I was like, all right, you know, I'm already ready for this. I've played freaking Final Fantasy VII Remake like two and a half times now. Totally different. They went, nope, we're going to change this all up. You're going in here like a platinum game. You're flying around. You're throwing out your uh, your old boomerang. And then while it's out, it's doing its spinning damage. You're then coming doing all sorts of kicks, magic. Or you just boss it back in and do more attacks. So many things at the table for you to do. And on top of of course, you have all the materia that you would get in any Final Fantasy game. And Sonin, he controls himself, but you can give him basic, you know, directives. You can be like, hey, do this particular attack right now, or you're going to synergize with me. So then the two of them will team up, and while you're synergized, you're bouncing attacks back and forth off each other. Your special attacks do double damage because now it involves both of you. It's such a wild ride. So fantastic. Graphics, I don't even tell you. They're top tier. And just the way they integrated it in, <laughs> into the story was sweet. It was right between two big missions that took place in Final Fantasy VII Remake when everybody was back at the uh, the main base. So you get to step in and you get to interact with these characters while they're just waiting for the next big thing. And they don't know who you are, so you just did to do it. And of course, they would never mention you in the story because you're just some random human who came and played this card game called uh, Fort Condor with them. Which, by the way, oh my god, is so much fun and so amazing. You get these card decks, you pick out your people... Then you've got to destroy the enemy's Fort Condor before they destroy yours. And, of course, you know, it's got the uh, this element beats this element beats this element. On top of that, you got light attacks, heavy attacks, you know, weak enemies, strong enemies. And you got to decide what's going to be better for taking and guarding your area. But as, at the same time, like assaulting in and getting rid of their fort. Really simple, but can be very strategic, very fun. I had such a great time with it. And, as I said, it allows you to interact with many of the characters that were in FF7 Remake on just a side note and a fun time. And then on top of that, like I said, when you get to Shinra, you get to go against a whole different baddie that they didn't even tackle in FF7 Remake and see what this individual's been up to. I won't spoil it, but it all culminates perfectly to where in the next one, if you did this, you'll have Yuffie, and it's going to be so cool. I could not have it here. Such a great game, such a great DLC. And sure, it was only four, eight hours, depending on what you did with it. But what a wonderful time it was. It deserves its spot. And I don't care what you haters say. I mean, you talk about a game that deserves its spot. I was just debating whether or not this game deserves its spot. It does. It's here, right here at number three. It's the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. This is the two-pack of the Ace Attorney games that was previously only released in Japan. Now it's here officially 
in a two-pack. It's the one that's based in the 1800s. You're working with Sherlock Holmes. And I got to tell you, I was torn on this one just a few days ago when we recorded the What You Play in Third Shift because some of the cases in this game, they go on for a really long time. Some of the dialogues go on way too long because me as a smart boy, when I see some evidence, I go, okay, I know. I know what that's going to be used for. I see a character and I go, okay, I know what you're up to. And, and the characters don't know yet because they're just like, oh, hello, how are you? Ha ha, it's nice to meet this nice young dude. Like, no, he's going to be the ultimate bad guy. Come on, blah, 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 blah. But the good things in this game are so good. Starting off just with the presentation, and maybe it's the fact that I've played every other Phoenix Wright or Ace Attorney game on a very small screen, whether it be Game Boy Advance, DS, or 3DS, and seeing these characters on the big screen on my Switch is so nice. But everybody's 3D models are so beautiful and so approachable and so lively. Like these characters look lively. I've said it a million times. When they shift from one pose to the other pose, it's not just a flash of light and they're in the different pose. You can see their hands move to this different thing. When you have two characters talking to you and then they turn and start talking to each other and then they turn and look to somebody in the background, you feel so much more involved. You're a part of the scene instead of just, I'm watching a visual novel type scene and somebody is talking at me. You're part of that world. The first game, I feel like, is paced really, really well. The cases go through really nice. You get a couple of deductions that... I'll get into it a little bit, and those are so good. But then the second game builds on everything that the first game had. You get more animations. You get cooler interactions with the environment. One investigation scene where you're out, and there's a big like tower in the background. And you're like, oh, there's an observation deck up on that tower. And when you pull your magnifying glass up to investigate, it zooms in, but it also gives you a slightly different angle on it. It, again, feels like you're part of that world. Instead of just looking at a flat background image and it just zooming in a little, it zooms in, and then you see the, the 3D pieces kind of like push apart like they would if you moved up and looked down on it. It's so beautiful. And then the story builds on the story from the first game. The deductions in which Sherlock Holmes is piecing together what's happened in this room. And he's spinning through the room. And the camera's spinning with him. And the lighting is like flashing down when he's talking about this phone that's on somebody's desk. As a random thing, it's the 1800s. There's no phones on desks. But the light will go, and all the other lights will go out. And a little spotlight will shine down on it. And the camera will zoom into it as he makes his deduction about what that means to the case. And then you take over and you fix his errors in deductions. And so you're spinning through, you're finding more things. They're going, that phone on the desk probably doesn't mean anything. Huh, let's look around and see something else that's within the suspect's line of sight. And then you rotate the camera and you see underneath the desk, there's a sticker that says something, something, something. It's small stuff like that. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but the fact that you can interact with this Ace Attorney world in so many cool ways that you couldn't before... It's amazing. It's just phenomenal. And I will say, I just got done playing a whole big, like, eight hour session of it today. I'm right, I'm on the final case. I'm right towards the end. The last dance of deduction in this game, where you figure out why it's called the dance of deduction, I was cheering. I threw my hands up and I, I had my eyes were bugged out, my jaw dropped, and I went, oh my God, this is amazing having gone through so many of them with Holmes and your regular character, to see this one that is very special in a way that I won't spoil, it had me smiling from ear to ear the whole way through. You get to see Holmes in some whole new light, and it just it just rocket-shipped this game straight up to the moon to the number three spot, because it can't get past the other two. 
But man, what a beautiful package this is. Like I said, it's two games in one, so maybe it's a little bit of a cheat, but it is one package, and the second half builds on the first half so well. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's just, it makes me happy every time I play it. I see those characters and I go, hell yeah. And then when you're talking to Holmes and that dance of deduction music starts, it gives chills up my spine because I know I'm going to experience something really fun right now. This game gave that to me so many times. Greatest Attorney Chronicles. What, do you, what more do you want? Bam. Get her there. Get her done, everybody. Now here, my number two. We're so close here. And this one's one that's a Matt special. Because I typically don't agree with Matt with the old rule we made years ago. That's games we played, not games of this year. But I've, I've joined the dark side. Here I am joining the dark side because, folks, guess what I played this year? Early this year. Probably don't remember. Near Automata. Okay. I played that game for the first time this year. That's what made me love Near Replicant. That's what made me go. Into There's the whole no way that can place. be right. There's no yes, way. It's insane. That was a million years ago. <laughs> it feels like a hundred years ago. It it certainly does, but it wasn't. It was this year I played Near Automata for the very first time, and I fell just deeply in love with it. This is the one that hits all those spots. Remember earlier when Replicant, I said the first two playthroughs great. After that, just wasn't feeling it, wasn't having it. This one, uh-uh. I hit playthrough one. I immediately was ready for playthrough two. I played playthrough two, and I went, oh, no. We just got started, boys and girls. Playthrough three. No, no. We need to play through four, playthrough five. It was just I couldn't put it down. I was, I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to end. I kept, oh, no, more story, more story. 2B9S fantastic relationship 9s just such a fun chill character friendly trying to be cool trying to be there hanging out with 2b 2b doesn't want none of it the things you learn while you're there you know being told your androids fighting these machines your hot glory to mankind you know for the humans they've all left earth they're up on the moon you got to protect them it's gonna be great adam and eve bad guys the stuff that happens and just everything that goes on and the different playthroughs how everything evolves the machines you the other you know the the baddies everything everything the secret you unveil it's just it blows your mind and it's so fun in between because 2b plays way different than 9s okay a2 plays different than the others yeah, similar to 2b but you know whatever she's got her own shtick too it's so wonderful, so cool. The music—I don't even guys tell you—it's out of this world. It's insane. The chips—I loved. I loved how you got the chips, how you set up your skills, and some chips took up a much larger space than other chips. And you had this little pocket that you could just arrange them in and try to just micromanage every little micro speck of space you had to get the premium best output for your character. I loved it. I loved just sitting in there going through and going, well, you know, do I technically need this critical strike? Because if I get rid of that and if I just put it in this extra swing and this extra thing here, that probably end up doing more damage overall anyway. Da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. So cool. The interactions with the uh, the machines, the machine village. It does. I, mean, I, I could just go on. I'm not going to. I don't want to make this one super long. Let me just say, Nier Automata, a special game. I don't think it's going to ever be able to be recreated, and that's what really terrifies me. I want a game to do that again, but I feel like that was a one-time deal, and it's never coming back, and I'll never see it again, and it makes me really sad. 
And I'm getting hot at you because you didn't even mention the shooting segment. I know. The run arounds oh, and then the chase to the shooting. So and then good. you're shooting in one way and then the perspective changes and I now you're shooting a different on. way. And you then you're going around and I was 3D shooting. You didn't even mention the best ending in gaming history oh, yes. ever. No. Oh, my God. We can't mention oh. the ending. The ending is supposed to be special. And you leave it alone and you don't talk about it. But yes, I could gush on and on. The combat. I told you I love the combat. In every aspect of the combat, it's phenomenal. And just the way it switches up and just changes what you're doing to keep you interested, to keep you engaged all the time. So good. What a good game. Nier Automata, man, I might even play you again. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it again. I'll bust you out next year because there won't be any games that I like next year, right? Now, for my next one, I feel like recency bias has taken hold and maybe that did a little bit for the positioning of four and three as well but this one really struck a chord with me and i don't think there's any better intro to it than some text that we got from our old buddy steve cadwallader i'm going to read it verbatim from a beautiful email that we got from him he says i recently played the artful escape on games pass and shouted out game of the year because the graphics blew my mind and it was just what i needed in the moment fantastic and short game And I have to agree with every single piece of that because I played it just over the past weekend, I think, or the week before that, all in one sitting from start to finish. And it did blow my mind. Once you walk through that doorway and you see the cosmic beyond, the cosmic unknown, whatever it is that it's called, I can never remember because my jaw immediately dropped and I looked out at this beautiful, colorful galaxyscape. And I was like, I... It was something I couldn't even fathom. Like, I looked at it and I went, wow. And I went, somebody came up with this and somebody made this happen. And all throughout that game, I had that exact same feeling. Like, you go to the ship and you have your conversation and you go to a new area, a new part of the galaxy, and everything is so new. Everything looks so different. Everything's so colorful. Everything is so musical. You're going through an entire galaxy an entire universe of music and color and lights. And it's just phenomenal. It's everything is so beautiful. Everything you interact with is so unique. I was going through it. I'm like, I can't even imagine this. Somebody creative made this. And now I get to witness their beautiful creation. The second that I realized that I loved, loved, loved this game was I think it's the first or second planet or area that you go to. You have to go to a jazz club and like try out to be in the band so I went in there and I started talking to this creature and this creature, you know, it had subtitles, but its voice was jazz music. Like it didn't speak. It didn't even have like a fake language. It spoke to you in music. And I went, this is incredible. And I, man, I loved the music. The music was great. And then I'm talking to this creature in music and then to bond with each other more, we play musical notes back and forth. We bond through music. I don't know. It's a short experience, but it's just, it's something you'll never see anywhere else. There's nothing else like this. And I feel like in any other year, this might've actually just taken game of the year because it's so beautiful and so mind blowing and so unique and interesting. And I'll close it out because I won't, I can't go on for too much longer just gushing and saying, I loved it and it's great and it's cool and it's pretty, but I'll take another quote this time from the game. One of the characters tells you an artist's job is not to give people what they want. It's to give people something they could never have imagined. I could never have imagined this universe and this game and the things you go through and the things you see, but somebody did. 
somebody gave me this great piece of art this year and I fell in love with it. It's the Artful Escape. What a great place for it, Matt, because that game was fantastic and wonderful. I'm glad to see it getting some recognition that it deserves, for sure. Now, we've done it. We're at the last one. This is it. The big dog itself. Game of the year. For me, the game is The Medium by Blooper Team. Played it very early on in the year. And here's why this game is sitting at number one. You're going to go back and you're going to go, what the hell are you talking about? Because you'll go see, oh, there's reviews. Oh, it was in a decent game. It was an okay game. It was an all right game. Da-da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. If you go read a lot of those reviews and you read why it's just an okay game and a decent game, a lot of it comes to, oh, we don't like those trapped camera angles. We don't like that that tank-like walking. Guess what? I do. I do. I loved old school Resident Evil. I loved all the old school Silent Hills. I loved that survival horror genre. I loved Dino Crisis. I loved, you know, games in that nature. That was my jam. It disappeared. It completely faded out. In fact, it got to the point where everybody was enamored with, you know, PT going, oh, this is the next Silent Hill. And whilst PT was scary as all hell and fun as all hell, there is no world in that in which that was Silent Hill. That was not Silent Hill. That was your typical first-person scary horror genre game. There's a million of them. You can go play a lot of them. This It was a very well-done one, and it was awesome, but it wasn't Silent Hill. Blooper Team came along and said, no, we want to pay homage to the greats. And so they made the medium where you take place in this, well, it takes place in this really cool mansion. You're Marianne. You know, she's a, she's a medium, duh, same thing in the game. And she's having these dreams about a girl dead, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. You go into this really cool environment, this hotel that's already haunted, already has its own story to tell. So you're immediately drawn in. You're, you're getting to scan these items, and they, they give you all these little voice recordings and start to kind of piece things together. What the hell was going on when this place fell apart? That's spooky enough. Everything in there is already crazy and weird. But on top of it, as Silent Hill did, they add in the spiritual realm side that's all twisted, all messed up. The you know the spirits and just the, the anger and frustration come out visibly in this realm. And at some points, you're able to go to it willingly, and you can kind of spook around and check things out and manipulate things that you can't in the real world and vice versa, which I thought was a lot of fun. I think they could have done better with it, but I loved where it went overall. But the best part was just this overarching baddie who you had no idea why this individual was there doing what they were doing, and you had to uncover it as you went along. And at first, you just ran and ran and ran, but the more you went through, the more powerful you became, the more you understood why this thing was doing what it was doing. You got more abilities. You were able to just handle the scenario, but at the same time, still have a very strange, weird time. And then as everybody tells you in those reviews, it is true. Once you get to the scene where you sit down in that freaking wheelchair and it just, the game just goes off its hinges and things get completely bonkers and wild. And from there, it's a roller coaster ride. I couldn't stop playing as a game. I had to go home and play. The music was done by the original Silent Hill creators, so you know it was spooky. You know it was just very, very, very in tone with what Bluebird Team was trying to give you and trying to show you. 
And then they switch over later when you go take over the individual who originally called Marianne to the uh, hotel. Just phenomenal. Because this individual is also a medium, but has a whole different ability. And you'd find out why if you played the game. And just what they're able to do, so awesome, so cool. The environments they went into, completely unexpected. And it all tied back into why Marianne was the way she was and what was going on. I just... I can't say enough good things about this game. And like I said originally, the the tank controls, that's the purpose. The fixed camera angles, it's meant to build tension. It's meant to make it so you have to pay close attention to what is in that environment that you can interact with, what could possibly be manipulated, what you can do to get out of that room. And if you start hearing things in another room, now you're thinking about how the hell you can get out. And it's very hard to do because, like I said, it's fixed. So there's only a couple things you can see or do at any given time. Maybe that creature's in the room with you, but obviously with your particular angle, you can't see. So now you're all worried. Now you're going to start looking around. Now you're going to go look over to this other side. But maybe that was a mistake because they're right there. I think that's what partially builds these stories in the old school survival horror genre. And I feel like it's not a lost art because Bloober Team did a really good job at bringing it back. And I think if they kept honing their skills, they could make a masterpiece at some point. And I just hope that the naysayers, the ones who want this fast-paced, run-and-gun, first-person survival horror uh, scenario or situation, don't dissuade them from ever doing it. Because I appreciate those games, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm a hater. I just want to have this genre stay alive as well. I don't want it to get melded like so many of them do. I mean, look at RPGs going from old school turn-based now nobody wants to play a turn-based it's all got to be action-packed you know there's a place for everything and i just i hope that we can hold on to that old school survival horror feel and the medium did it for me and i just i very much appreciated it overall i just i i wish i could just actually shake their hands and say thank you for doing this i hope others copy or mimic it in the future But it had to be number one for me just because it brought back all the feelings from back in the day and gave me hope that maybe I'll see it again. Man, you want to talk about holding on to the old school, bringing back those feelings from back in the day. You already know what my number one is just from that intro alone. But I'm going to stretch it out a little bit because there's a bunch of games that I've played this year that I have gotten all the achievements in, that I have 100% completed. But this is the only one that's on this game of the year list, and it's at number one. I spent 56 and a half hours with this game and every single one of them filled me with joy and brought me back to those days of sitting in a basement with a dusty PlayStation 2 with this disc spinning in my console for hours and hours and hours. And now I have an updated version in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Definitive Edition. I don't even know where to start with this game. I'll start with a moment where I knew I was in the zone and I was back in love with this game and I I was I was in it and I was I was living it and I was breathing it. I was doing the taxi missions. And I've said this before on Third Shift, but I was doing taxi missions and I was speeding my taxi down and I had that soft focus that I had for so many hours back in the days playing the original game of just, I'm not really looking at the road, but I'm dodging every car and I'm not really looking at the map, but I know exactly where it is that my passenger needs me to go. And I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm into, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not looking at the screen, but I'm like intuiting from like this little flash over here. And I see this car start to do a little bit of a swerve and I know he's about to do the that hard 90 degree left turn that they do. Once you have that feel, you know you're in that game. 
because you see the some of that traffic. It's wild. It's nuts. Once you've played it enough, like I did back in the day, now I can feel it. Now I can I can I can breathe it again. That's what I did with this game for those fifty six and a half hours. I lived and breathed this game. Every song on the radio, I was singing along to at full blast. Every commercial that came on, I was saying every word. When I got those pre-mission cutscenes with Carl and Woozy, I was saying it back and forth. I didn't even think about trying to remember what they said back and forth to each other. When there was the pause, I went, and I didn't even think like, this is where Carl says it. I just turned my head and I went, yeah, Woozy. And he said it immediately as I said it in the same tone with the same cadence and everything. This game... It's in, I've said it before, it's in my body, it's in my soul, and I got to experience it again this year in the Definitive Edition and take it further than I ever have before. Because I've told you before, I I beat the original game with cheats because that last mission is real hard. Here, I beat it no cheats. I never did 100% completion anything in the previous game. When I saw those 100 graffiti tags, I would do like 20, and then I'd go, man, do I want to look on game facts and, and find all the graffiti tags? No. Is there anything else? Horseshoes? Never going to do that. Oysters? Swimming? Never. The photos in San Fierro? Absolutely not. This year, I did them all for the first time ever. I got on my favorite vehicle. I turned on my favorite radio station. I pulled up on my iPad, the location of everything, and I went around a whole day just collecting everything. And I had a blast doing it. Because it was back in that world that I know so well. Hearing those pedestrians say those lines that I heard 14 years ago, however many years ago, and knowing exactly the cadence they were going to say them in. Every single person on the street, when I would hear them say stuff, when I got to San Fierro and heard the cops speaking in their San Fierro cop voice, I went, yes, this is home. This is it. And I feel bad for the other games on this list that should have been game of the year, but they couldn't be this year because this year was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Definitive Edition. It's not the technically best port that we've ever seen. Sure, there's some glitches, but that old game had some glitches too, especially running on my dirty PS2. Sometimes like the city block wouldn't even load, and you had to use your brain and know where the streets were because it didn't load because your PS2 sold. I'm not saying like I'm glad I brought that experience back, but maybe that's why I feel this game so much because I went through it on the PS2 with so many hours with the PS2 falling apart, so even if you couldn't see the the geometry you had to know it was there i knew it was there i know it's here it's here now it's the most shiniest edition i did everything in that game that you can do i did it all i don't do that with a lot of games but i did it here because it felt so good and so right it felt good to go back and hang out with old matt for a while and just be like you know what i don't care what i have to do tomorrow i don't care about work i don't care about other responsibilities today in this play session this is all I'm worried about. And I'm having an absolute blast every second doing this mission that I remember. This mission that I remember hating. Oh, I aced it the first time because I'm so good. Oh, the driving school. Oh, I hated that driving school. Easy peasy. Oh, it's just, it was such a fun, amazing ride. I'm so glad I got to take it again this year. You were thankful to Bloober Team. I'm so thankful to Rockstar for releasing this and putting it on Game Pass. This is the only one they put on Game Pass, and I got to play it 56 and a half hours, 100% completion, every single achievement. I got to do that all for free, essentially. They released the only one that I would have done that with, and here it is. It's my game of the year this year. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Definitive Edition. Thank you for a fantastic year. Mm-mm, just know, both our game of the years were Game Pass games. Dang, Xbox. That's how you do it. A quick hitter. 
What are you looking forward to next year that you want to be on this list? You don't know too much about it, but it's got a shot and you hope it's on here for next year. Uh, Elden Ring has me curious. I didn't say it was game of the year. That was your one. That was your one. No, I get, I get, I get one more and that's Horizon for Ben West. All right. That's, I've got some hopes and dreams put on that title. I really want it to take everything it learned from uh, the previous entry and just expand on it and make us into just such a killer title that I have no choice but to make that my game of the year. Well, here, since you got two, I'll get two, too. One was a quick, though. First one, Metal Slug Tactics. I want to see what that is because everything we've seen is so beautiful. And you know me, I love the tactics games with the grids and stuff. Can't wait. to. I, I hope that's on this list next year. I hope it turns out to be as fun and engrossing as I want. And then I'm going to say, because I had a couple of re-releases on this list, I want Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp to do for me in the Game Boy Advance college era, like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Definitive Edition did for the PS2 era. I want that to be next year's game of the year. And just be like, yeah, I remember. Wait for college classes to start playing those Advance Wars games. And then thinking back to that with these, hopefully that's that. And of course, with that being said, that is not it though, folks. There's a million other games coming out next year. It's going to be an insane year. I don't even know how to handle it yet. I'm trying to just put my blinders on because there's already at least nine, ten titles that I've got to play. So, whew, I'll tell you what. Help me. Help me out. There's some things we've got to catch up on from this year, Eric. I know. It's sad, you have, right? you got to play Metroid oh, Dread. Play and finish that. Metroid oh, Dread. Geez. Guardians of the Galaxy I want to play. Ay, ay, ay. What do I do? I don't know. We always say it. It's the same thing as always. Same thing. But hey, what about you out there in podcast listener land? What are your games of the year? What did we miss that you got strong feelings about? I know one person who might let us know, Steve Cadwallader, let us know. Anyone else, give us your games of the year. Tell us what we missed out on. Tell me what you're looking forward to in the next year via the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com, on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme, and find us on Facebook under Third Shift. And while you're searching over there on the old Facebook, head on over to Patreon. Treat it like a tip jar, and all, as Matt mentioned earlier, we do have an episode up there with some other games that we thought were amazing but just didn't quite make the list. So you can go over there, throw a few bucks in, and listen to that. If you don't have any bucks, though, you can go to the iTunes, give the five-star ratings, and now Spotify to also give fantastic ratings to get us all big up in the algorithms. You can send us mailbag questions. You can send us comments, etc., just like Steve did. Thank you, sir. All of you can do that, too. Brighten our day. Cheer us up. Make us forget that we can't play all the games we want to play because it is impossible for us to do so having to work nine to five jobs. But you know what? Maybe you'll fix that too with a million dollars or more. (laughs) And of course, you can listen to our very next episode, which will be the New Year's Resolution Special, our favorite and least favorite episode in the entire year. You can find that episode on iTunes and Stitcher on Podbean on Spotify and on YouTube. And as I always say, Hey, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out, and we really do appreciate it. Indeed we do. We appreciate it so very much, just like we appreciate those five-star ratings on the iTunes and those big old ratings over on the Spotify. Get your bones and business and get on over there and give us them stars, because we don't want to have to start the new year with some dire threats That's not how you start a new year. You start a new year with promises and good deeds, etc. All right? Don't make me go down the dark path. I want to be a noble, valiant knight this year. So, help me out. 
And for the last time in 2021, there's nothing else to say but don't Sit down.